Good, good morning, everybody. Um, we've, we've normally, in this current times, not started our service with any notices, but I have two this morning. Firstly, to welcome Kate, who has stepped in at the very, very, very last minute. Um, Denise was appointed to conduct the service this morning, but she was in a restaurant a few days ago when uh, it was reported to her after that that one of the members of staff had been tested positive for coronavirus. So she was advised not to do anything other than self-isolate for 14 days. And so we're very fortunate that Kate has stepped in at the very last minute to, to lead our service this morning. Um, and secondly, um, a message from Karen. Uh, next week is Harvest Festival, and Karen is conducting that service. Now, it would be traditional that we spend a considerable amount of time decorating the church beforehand, but unfortunately we were not able to do that, won't be able to do that this year. Um, but what Karen has asked is if you are able... Could you bring either a tin or a packet or a several, which we will, after the service, donate to, to the local food bank? So thank you very much. Thank you, Kate. <sighs> oh, goodness me. Don't you just take them. I spend my life with steam all the way up my glasses. But it is lovely to be back. Goodness me, strange times. But it's lovely to be here and it's lovely to see at least your eyes. <laughs> so, welcome to worship this morning. Am I feeding back a little bit? Is there a. Yeah? No? Okay. It's just me hearing things. I'm not used to this microphone anymore, you see. It's been months. This is a very old service that I have oiked out of the computer at tea time yesterday. So please bear with me a little bit if I, if I seem a, a little underprepared. It's because I'm a little underprepared. Let's start the service this morning with a prayer. Awaken us to your glory. Dispel the darkness of night. Awaken us to your glory. Destroy our heaviness of heart. Awaken us to your glory. Cure the blindness of our sight. Awaken us to your glory. Heal the deafness of our ears. Awaken us to your glory. Open the mouth that is dumb. Awaken us to your glory. Restore a gentleness of touch. Awaken us to your glory. Encourage in us a sense of adventure. Awaken us to your glory. Bring us an awareness of you. Amen. 
Amen. And we are going to not sing, apparently. Um, now, I've, my wonderful husband has found this on YouTube for me. I don't know what you normally do. Do you normally stand and not sing or sit and watch the video? Or Yeah, sit and not sing sounds like a plan, doesn't it? Let's do that then. Let's sit and not sing, be still for the presence of the Lord. Exodus chapter 32, golden calf. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered round Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. 
He took the gold from them, formed it in a mould, and cast an image of a calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them and of you I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath, change your mind, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised, I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. Well, there's some fun in that, isn't there? (laughs) So what on earth is going on there? Well, apart from that's the lectionary reading, what is it about? It's about obedience or a certain lack of it. It's about patience persistence or the lack of it. It's about independence and obedience. It's also about the character of God. So let's start off by looking at the people of Israel. The first first chance they get. Oh, Moses has been gone a while. He climbed up that mountain. He's been gone for a bit. What shall we do? Shall we A, wait patiently? Shall we B, wait impatiently? Shall we C, ditch him and melt our gold into a cow? So they do the most spectacularly 
daft thing. The chosen people of God, who have spent the last goodness knows how long, following God, melt their earrings into a cow and decide that that's their God. Now, something I was reading the other week, it's amazing how much more reading you do when you're in self-isolation, isn't it? Something I was reading the other week was talking about what role do you cast yourself in? When you read a Bible story, what role do you see yourself in? And it was basically saying that we see ourselves in the, in the positive role. We'd be Moses. We'd be the one who was up there talking to God and being the committed one. And we would be the Israelites donating their gold earrings to build a new God. Definitely not. Oh, no. I don't know about you, but I have done some spectacularly daft things in my time. And what happens? What do Moses and God decide will happen? Now, if we're to believe this story, God goes off on a big temper tantrum and Moses talks him down. We'll never know. But it's interesting, even at that, that God was seen in a way where God's mind is changed by a person's argument. Just let that sink in a minute. God's mind was changed by a person's argument. When we think about talking to God and listening to God and obeying God, we never think about our impact on God. Might just leave that one hanging. There you go. Take that one away and chew on it for a while. God's mind was changed by someone, a person. Was that because God was wrong? Was this some kind of test for Moses? Was this some kind of test for the people? Rootle round in that and think about it for a bit. So, the golden calf talks about our choices. What choices that we make? How do we come back from our spectacular displays of daftness? Every time that we make a choice, we have the power to influence the future. 
chaos theory, butterfly wings, wins. Ah, every time that we make a decision, every choice that we make, every time we go past all the cheap coffee and buy the Cafe Direct expensive posh coffee that's fair trade and it's got a label on it, every time we decide to go for the renewable energy company because it, even though it's more expensive, every time we think, actually, I am going to wear the mask, even if it's uncomfortable, every time you think, no, I'm not going to go out, it's safer for everyone else if I stay home, even though I don't like it. Every decision, every little tiny thing is a choice. Do we follow God in this or do we not? The trouble is, sometimes it's kind of hard to know what following God looks like. I mean, okay, I get it. It doesn't look like melting down your earrings. But... What does it look like? Sometimes it's really hard to tell, isn't it? Do we follow God by being together in church? Or do we follow God by staying at home and being safe? That's a decision for each one of us. Nobody is being condemned because they come here and nobody is being condemned because they stay home. Do we follow God by the choice of language that we use? Do we follow God by referring to God as he or she or neither or both or what? Decisions to make, it's so hard, but how do we choose? In the end, what we see If we carried on with this story, what we see is a renewed commitment, a renewed unity, and a renewed following of God. In the end, what we see is, yes, okay, we made a stupid decision, but we're turning away from that and we're going back to where we should be. There is nothing, nothing at all that we choose to do that is uncombatfromable. There you go, that's my new word for the day. Uncombatfromable. There is nothing that we do that cannot be put behind us, forgiven, and come back from. And if this reading tells us anything at all about God, it's that God forgives and persists even though we can't sometimes. That's quite a happy ending really, isn't it? One story of spectacular daftness and coming back from it. And so with that in mind, that idea of nothing being uncombatfromable, we come to our prayer of confession. Let us pray.
Steal, Jesus. Steal from us the grudge we will not let go. The pain we will not let heal. The sin we most condemn in others and most disguise in ourselves. Liberate, Jesus, liberate in us the hands that care for only one body. The eyes that focus on what they want to see. The tongues that condemn the petty, but never challenge the powerful. Join. Jesus. Join in us the frayed ends of broken temper, the notion of conviction to the practice of commitment, the tip of our fingers to the hem of your garment. Love, Jesus, love in us the self we despair about, the self we hide, the self we throw at others because we cannot live with it on our own. And when you have taken the sin from us, liberated our potentials, mended our brokenness, and loved our withered selves. Give us the grace to do for others what you have done for us. Amen. And we will not stand to not sing our next hymn, Be Thou My Vision.
It's kind of weird looking on YouTube for your hymns. Particularly when it turns out that at like half past eight in the morning you get texts saying, Calf can't play, sorry. We will, by the way, include Kath in our prayers. She's not very well this morning. Um, yeah. Be thou my vision, Lord of my heart. All else naught to me, save that thou art. Nothing else is anything important to me apart from that, the fact that you are. Our second reading is from Philippians. By the way, I don't know if you've noticed, my readings this morning are from the NRSV. I've treated all the women of the church to a copy of the NRSV to put on the screen. Because I don't know about you, but every time I got that re- the readings from the NRSV that said, brothers, or um, whenever a man should do this, he this, and he that, and it, it made my teeth grind every time I read it, so I've bought us a copy of the NRSV. Without the sexist language. It made me very happy. There you go. That's what I do with my bus fare that I don't spend while I'm self-isolating. Anyway, Philippians 4, 1 to 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge you, Odia, and I urge Sintich to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, Beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you.
that's pretty. I approve. My husband chooses pretty pictures. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not worry about anything. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Reassuring words for difficult times. I didn't pick them. I was given them. It just seemed fortuitous. Is that a good word? I like that word. Something else that I read recently. You might be hearing this quite a lot. Something about the current times, about persistence, about keeping on. Don't give up on this year. Keep fighting for the good. Keep showing up. Keep giving back. Keep being kind. Keep being brave. Keep caring. Keep trying new things. Keep showing grace. Keep on. The world needs you to believe in the good. Whatever is true, whatever is honourable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, keep on doing. That doesn't need any more talking about. And so we're going to come to our prayers of intercession. Let us pray. We are your people, God. In this time and place, you have called us to pray for those in need. To be present for those in need. We pray for the people whose names the world knows whose stories are told daily in the news. We pray for those places 
where COVID is running wild, unstoppable, where healthcare is lacking, where people are dying because of their poverty. Because of where they live. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for people in places of suffering. whose names only you and their friends and families know, and whose lives you cherish. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the people whose names and lives we know, those who today are in pain or distress or trouble. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for ourselves. God, you know each one of us by name. Make us into the people you want us to be. People who are present. People who are listening. And when that hurts, reassure us how much you love us. So God, we bring you ourselves and our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. My apologies, did I mention slightly underprepared? I'm finding the right place. There we go. Okay, so we're going to not stand and not sing again. May the mind of Christ my Saviour live in me from day to day.
swiftly on from that. Our final reading is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. There we go. The parable of the wedding banquet. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who I've been invited, look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away. One to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Another one full of chirpy, happy, easy concepts. They do pick them for me, don't they? So, a wedding feast for a king. What's going on here? Now, this comes kind of comes back to where do you cast yourself in this story? Do you cast yourself as one of the guests who was invited but refuses? Do you cast yourself as the person who wasn't wearing a robe? Do you cast yourself as one of the random gaggle of people who was dragged in off the streets to come and take part in this party? To be honest, not everybody comes out of this looking terribly bright anyway, do they? We could, we could cast ourselves as anybody and there'd still be something to, to kick us with. If we think about when these, these stories, this is two stories. They might have been slapped together, but this is two stories. When we think about when these stories might have been um, told... Who were they told to? Who were they told for? Why were they used? 
the nation, the people of Israel were the wedding guests. The ones who were invited and then didn't go. The prophets were ignored, murdered, The Jewish people of that time, the people of Israel of that time, were being criticised because they thought it was enough to be chosen, to have the invitation without actually being there. This isn't really a story about us being chosen. It's a story about us being the random people dragged in off the streets. It's a story about universal love. Not just love for one set of people. It's a story about universal invitation. Universal love. A universal bringing together not just Jews, Gentiles as well. Not just us, everyone as well. So in this invitation to heaven... The kingdom of heaven is like this. I think we can assume that this is talking about some kind of heaven. Some kind of heavenly party. God's kingdom is like some group of random scruff bags brought in off the streets because they just happened to be walking past at the right time. And another This is what I've been reading recently. This is what God's kingdom is like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table. Not because they are rich or worthy or good, but because they are hungry. Because they said yes. And there is always room for more. Isn't that just a wonderful, wonderful, lovely thought? Doesn't that just make your day? I'm finding the stupid... Ah, there we go. We are that ragtag bunch of weirdos, freaks and random people who have been invited, who were hungry, who wanted to say yes. Who dropped everything and turned up. But it's not just limited to us. It's not just limited to 
Who? Where do we set the boundaries for this random ragtag group of people? Where do our prejudices make offence? Where do we say, here, you can come in, you can't? If God's love is universal, there is no fence. There is no limit. There is no heaven is full, no one else can come in. If God's invitation is universal, that means universal. It's not limited to those people who we like. It's not limited to those people who we approve of. It's not limited to those people who share our, what, colour, race, sexuality, gender, choice of partner. I don't know. That sounded weird. That came out wrong. It's not limited. God's love God's invitation is for everyone. That means everyone. Are we going to set a limit on choice of faith? There you go. There's another one to leave with you and chew over. If someone is born and brought up in the Muslim faith, in the Jewish faith, Does that mean that they're not invited? If someone calls themselves a witch and goes to Stonehenge on the solstice, does that mean they're not invited? If someone melts their earrings and makes it into a cow and worships that, does that mean they're not invited? The only, only condition for being at this banquet is that you want to be at the banquet. That's it. Everyone, everyone is invited. And whilst we, while we think about that, that idea of a universal invitation. Let's come to our prayers of adoration, of thanksgiving. If I can find where I've put them.
We come to you this morning knowing, knowing deep within ourselves, certain and sure of one thing, that we are invited, that we are welcomed that we are known, that we are loved, that in you we find our home, our hope, our inspiration. Whether we feel like outcasts, oddballs, the left over, the left out, the on the edges. Whether we are rich or poor or white or black or gay or straight or whoever we are, we know that we are part of your feast, your meal, your invitation to us all. And so we thank you. We thank you that we are not just invited, but welcomed. We thank you that you don't just invite people like us, but everyone. And we thank you that there is always room for more. Amen. Hopefully... If this works, we're going to not stand and not sing one more time. This is, O Jesus, I have promised, as you've never heard it before. I hope. Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. To be thou forever near me, my master and my friend. I shall not fear the battle if thou art by my side. No wonder from the pathway if thou wilt be my guide. Oh, let me feel thee near me, the world is ever near. I see the sights that dazzle, dressing sounds I hear. My foes are ever near me, around me and within. But Jesus, draw thou nearer, my shield is all for him. 
glory that shall thy servant be. And Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. Oh, give me grace to follow my master and my friend. I put marks and in them plant my own. I hope to follow duty is in my strength alone. Oh, guide me, call me, draw me, uphold me to the end. And then in heaven we see me, my Saviour and my friend. Oh, Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. Be thou forever near me, be thou forever near me, be thou forever near me. My master and my master and my master and my master and my my master and my friend Jesus Christ. There you go. You'll never unhear that. We are not Christians because we want the reward of heaven. We are not Christians because we are running from hell. We are Christians because the character of Jesus Christ is so compelling that we want to spend our lives chasing it, embodying it, and sharing it. And so as we leave this place, remember, keep on. The world needs us to embody and share, to keep on fighting. Amen.